Welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, a conversation on theology, culture, and God's Word. My name is Eric Leupold. I'm joined, as always, by my brother, Dylan Keniston. Good morning, Dylan. How are you? Good morning, brother. I'm doing well. How are you doing this morning? Well... The voice is getting a little deeper. Yeah. <laughs> I'm finally getting older. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, a little under the weather today. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll... Uh, you know, so pray that uh, the Lord gives me strength to get through this one. Yeah, but, strength, uh, strength to persevere. Yeah. yeah, but I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to cancel because today is our last episode before we take a break for about a month or so. Uh, so for those of you who are regular listeners, um, we will not be releasing any episodes in August. Uh, so we can take a, a a brief break and we will be returning. In September, so this will be our last episode for this season, Yep, if you will. So We'll be back season two, <clears throat> bigger, better, stra- stronger, faster, and all, and all that fun stuff. So and That's right. <laughs> and we got some ideas in mind on what we're going to do for the next uh, next season, so you know, stay tuned for that. Pretty uh, much the next 10 seasons, I'm pretty sure yeah. we've got like, enough, right. I, enough things to talk about. Well, it's good. It gives uh, us a, uh, time to plan and prepare yeah, for the next exactly. one. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, anyways... Mm. I will try to uh, not talk too much. <laughs> Excuse me. Because of my voice. But today, ironically of all days, we are talking about the Word of God. Yes. So my words will be few or <laughs> not as strong, but, uh, but, uh, the, but God's Word is powerful. Praise the Lord. And uh, this is related to our, to- our topic <clears throat> that we spoke of a few weeks ago regarding uh we talked about the image of god we talked about uh man's creation and his fall and sin and so in a way we're talking about now the redemption of man uh, his recovery and how god has sought to do that or had has how he planned to do that and it, and it's you know a, a discussion of of god's words right so like uh, in genesis we see that God created the world using his words. He spoke and it was. <clears throat> he said, let there be light and there was. Um, but then man messes everything up. And now God is going to fix the mess that we made. And, and again, it seems like he's using his word to do that. You know, we have the written word. We have Christ as the word. And God is, is changing uh, hearts through the word. Um, but... As I was doing some some research on this topic, I found it interesting, and I, I, there's more to be studied in this area, that uh, humans have, uh, because we have rebelled against God and have made ourselves into our own gods in a way, that humans have tried to change and manipulate the world, uh, almost, almost recreating it in their own image mm. or in their own uh, will and likeness mm. using words. And it, I know it seems a little silly, but the concept of just like, you know, pagans, you know, witchcraft or casting spells, any kind of magical uh, use of magic or any kind of power like that always involved the use of words. Oh, incantations. Some kind of, some yeah. Kind of yeah, incantation or yeah. enchantment. Um, and so that <clears throat> that use of words is is how someone would try to manipulate the reality around them. How do you change the world? How do you change reality? You use the right words mm. to do it from a from a very pagan standpoint, and and I wonder if that's maybe a uh, a result of the fall and humans basically trying to to be gods 
in their own way mm. and to, to speak over something and to have power over something using using words. And there's just so many cultural and historical icons or, or, or stories that that seem to relate to this idea, you know, whether it's abracadabra or, you know, hocus pocus, anything like that, you know, those magical words, right? So even the even our own words of, you know, dispel to cast a spell, you know, the word spell or or incantation, um, to speak into something or enchant, to sing into something, uh, going back in the Latin. So um but my question to turn over to you, Dylan, is uh, what what is the importance of God's word? Hmm. You know, what does the Bible have to say about about how God has chosen to fix, redeem, restore, recreate the world hmm. through the word? Through the word, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So, to first, to some of the things that you were sharing about, like kind of um, incantation and stuff. One of the things that's interesting to me is that in in Genesis, when God creates, He speaks, right? And when when God speaks and His word creates, I mean, it, how do you wrap your mind around that, right? To create ex nihilo is just something that from nothing. It's just something that we'd have no category for. Um, now there is a sense, right, in which our words can fashion uh reality insofar as a word goes out so we have a thought and then um you know one of the ways that uh tim put it in a recent sermon is that our, our words kind of clothe an idea to make it tangible for a recipient mm -hmm. so that now some other party can wrap their mind around this idea that we're trying to communicate so there is a sense in which the words that we that we throw out there that we put out there do uh change the world impact the world form the world but some of the ways in which kind of the the references you were making to kind of incantations kind of paganizing language in a way um, is trying to get a little bit closer to, to what the kind of speaking and the kind of creating that only God can do through words, right? We cannot do that. What, what our words can do is they can, they can shift and mold and, uh, and impact, um, thoughts and ideas, uh, in, in people's minds. Um, but one of the things that we can't do is we can't like have any physical impact, uh, with the words, at least not immediately beyond what impact our words might have on ourselves or on others who are hearers who then may take action. So that's, I think that's one of the things that's, that, that is a distinction now on the, on the redemptive front, right? So I think w one of the things that we can helpfully say is that God's God's written word uh, serves God's living word, right? So you have you have the written word in Scripture that points to and is all about Christ. And there's an analogy that can be drawn, I think, between um, Christ's work mm -hmm. and Christ's word, right? So in other words, you, we can't. What we don't want to do is separate redemption from revelation. Yeah. So there's a sense in there's there's an analogy here, right? Because both are finished, both are fulfilled in the sun, and you have Paul making this connection too. If you uh, so, just just poke up real quick here, uh, Romans ten, mm -hmm. um, Romans ten verse seventeen, very famous verse. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So again, you have Paul making this connection between hearing the word and redemption that's coming about by this faith. Now, you know, 
the Bible is not Jesus, right? So we, yeah. I think one of the things that can be, that, that can trip us up at times is that we hear this word, word, the word, and we have the word incarnate. And then we have the written word that serves the word incarnate. They're distinct, but they're inseparable, right? So you have all the scripture, the words of the prophets, the apostles, uh, you know, and, and you have all of this redemptive work of God that God has accomplished throughout history that reveals who he is and points to his son and, and, everything that he has done in history and everything that is written of him is in scripture pointing to his son. Mm. So there's this inseparable connection between um, who Christ is and his accomplished work on the cross and that being parallel with redemption and the testimony of the prophets and the apostles and the completeness of the canon and that being revelation. Um, so I, that's, I, I think that's one way of kind of getting at some of those parallels. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, that makes sense. Not separating the word from, from Christ, you know, because it, it, the words of scripture, ultimately, I mean, they're God's word Yes. and Christ himself has, has spoken, uh, and given us, uh, his word as well. And so, so I'd say scripture and Christ stand and fall together. So, so like you, yeah. you're not so a lot of times did god really say we were talking about that on the on the episode of sin in the fall yeah. one of the first things satan attacked was the authority of god's word mm -hmm. and so and and that's that's intentional right like the way that you get to under the way that you will ultimately undermine the faith of a person is by undermining the word of god the, the way you would undermine the love of a person yeah. for for god right is by under undermining love for the word. So whether it's, whether it's faith in Christ, you, you have to have that paired with scripture. They will stand and fall together because scripture is pointing to Christ. It's our testimony about Christ. Um, mm. I was thinking also of uh, when, when the father speaks to the son, and this is my son. This is my son. Yeah. Uh, listen to him. Yes. Right. Like, That's like good. the father commands to listen. And then even Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Yes. Right. So you'll keep my word. Because uh, mm -hmm. a commandment obviously is part of the word, uh, so it seems like obviously you can't truly love someone if you want to twist their words or ignore what they have to say, right. or uh, not do what they say, you know, things like, or or even deny that they've spoken. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. You know, so to, to to kind of shut them out or to ignore them <clears throat> would be an act of uh, of of hatred, not of love. Right. So that's very interesting. Um, okay, so so God is, is using his word to redeem and to change the, uh, the world there. And so, whereas, whereas in the pagan realm, they would use a magical word to try to gain power over someone or something. In, in God's redemptive plan, he's using his word to, to change people. Right. And I was thinking of, uh, you know, there's many passages to talk about this, but also Ezekiel chapter 37, hmm. which has the, uh, the Valley of Dry Bones, the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. <clears throat> and uh, I'll uh, do the best I can, but I, I would like to read that, that portion of that from Ezekiel 37, uh, starting in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. 
and he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, uh, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophecy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. So, I'll stop there. But, we see this vision of very, very dead things, and that the word of the Lord, spoken through Ezekiel, now, it's not in Ezekiel's power, he's just the means, he's the instrument that God is using, but through the word, the spirit of God worked and brought dead people back to life. And so that that idea seems like it's been carried over into, uh, obviously, the New Testament and the passage that you mentioned, Dylan, in Romans chapter 10, is that right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which you said, uh, faith comes from hearing, right? And it's interesting is that Earlier in that chapter, uh, Romans 8, 8, basically, he says, The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. And then in verse 9, he says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And then in verse 14, he asks several rhetorical questions. <clears throat> how, how will they call on him? on whom they have not believed, and how are they to believe on whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? Right? So that seems to be the concept that uh, God has chosen to speak uh, a divine word into the hearts of people uh, through the proclamation of the gospel to bring them to spiritual life. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we see here is is the 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 efficacy of Scripture, right? So, so backing up for just a second. Um, if, if we were to ask, how do we know that the Bible is from God? Um, there's, there's a number of ways that we can answer that. Um, and, and usually what the, the, these are the, what theologians will call the indicia of, of scripture or kind of these, these qualities of scripture that, that prove itself to be from God. So we would say that the Bible is, is self-authenticating, which is a big term, basically just means that it proves itself to be from God. Now, now, one of the things that notice that that's not the same thing as what the Bible says about itself. And th that's an important topic, right? Because the Bible says a lot about itself and its, and its divine uh, quality and origin. Uh, but that's a little bit different than this. So this is saying that if we say the Bible is self-authenticating, it proves itself 
to be from God by virtue of certain attributes that it has, right? So um, you, you, when we think of uh, an, an example of self, like God is self-authenticating, yeah. right? We, we read in Hebrews uh, 6 verse 13 that God, who does, who does God swear by, mm -hmm. right? Usually you swear by someone or something that you really care about or that is very valuable to you. And, you know, I, I swear on my mom's grave or something like that, yeah. right? Um, now, so you swear by that which is holy, or so. So you know, do you swear facing the temple? Do you not swear facing the temple? You know, the, the Pharisees are trying to work all these things out. Well, when it comes for God to swear something, <laughs> who's holier yeah. than God? So who does God swear by? He swears by Himself, right? So that's the idea: is that He kind of has within Himself this power, this authority, mm -hmm. and proves Himself by virtue of these attributes. So, so when we say. That, that scripture is from God, we would say that it evidences that by virtue of having some of these attributes, right? So now, one of those attributes, to your, to your point on this and, and on um, uh, Ezekiel 37, is its efficacy, its mm -hmm. power. So there is a sense in which you don't read the Bible so much as the Bible reads you, yeah. right? Like you, you read the word and then you realize not that far into it that it's actually reading you, it's convicting you. It's encouraging you. It's bringing wisdom to you, right? So we read in, in Hebrews 4, uh, verse 12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the Bible, when you read it, is discerning you. Uh, verse 13, And no creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Um that's powerful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that's one thing to, to say is just that, and and likewise we see the same evidenced in Ezekiel thirty seven, right? How are these dry? Can these dry bones be made to live? Lord, you know. And how are they made to live? Through the power of the word that invigorates and gives life where there was no life, where there was only death. That's what happens to a sinner saved by grace. You have th there's there's death like. Dead people don't see, dead people don't hear, dead people don't, they're dead, right? And yet the Holy Spirit so, um, so this is another thing we can touch on is, is mm -hmm. the role of the Holy Spirit in all mm -hmm. of this, because the Holy Spirit in one sense ties himself to the word of scripture, not in a binding, not, not in a restrictive sense, you understand, but in a sense of like, of, of inspiring scripture, of, of witnessing to scripture, of being a testimony to it. So, so where does that power, that efficacy come from that we're talking about? It's the Holy Spirit that's moving and living and active through the word, yeah. through the word of Christ. That's pointing back to Christ, pointing. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's, he's being a counselor. He's pointing back to Christ. Yeah. That's what the word does. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we can. Well, that's interesting. You mentioned about the power of the Holy Spirit, because it's true that <clears throat> the Holy, like when God's word is preached or read or, or whatever, it's not like, how do I put this? I mean, it's not like it's a guarantee in the sense that everyone who hears the word automatically becomes true, yeah. saved or becomes alive. So it's, it's not like those, those magical uh, spells or incantations. Yeah, true. It's not like that. The Bible's not a magic book. It's not a magic book where you say a, a magic phrase and all of a sudden it just happens. True story. But it is the, but the spirit has to work yes into the heart but the spirit god has chosen to use that preached gospel message 
as the vehicle by which the Spirit chooses to work. Like Jesus even says in John 3, the Spirit blows where, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from, where it is going. So too is everyone, you know, who's, who's brought alive by the Spirit, right? So the Spirit works as He wills. Mm-hmm. He can't be manipulated. Yes. Or like He's not like a, a, a spell that can be cast upon someone. Or else that would turn us into wielders, wielders of, of God. Yeah, exactly. Which is the exact opposite of what the Bible describes humans. Actually, God is the wielder of humans. Yes. You know, because they are the instruments in his hand, mm-hmm. right? So we don't get to wield God, he wields us. That's exactly right. So when we proclaim the gospel, when we share the word, when we preach the word, now, when it goes out from our mouths, Isaiah 55, 11 tells us that it never returns void, mm-hmm. right? It always accomplishes exactly what God wants it to accomplish. Now, that may be bringing a sinner to himself. Uh-huh. It may be, it, it could in some instances be be a hardening, right? And now now that... Oh, so both sides. Both of sides of it. Now, now this verse sometimes gets abused okay. to, to have us be jerks for Jesus and go out and just, you know, uh, go... A bad, you know, maybe not the most winsome example being, you know, you're you're standing in front of a, I don't know, a, an, an abortion clinic and, and you're telling people that they're, you know, you're, you're preaching fire and brimstone and, and judgment and, and all these th- kinds of things. There, there are winsome ways of sharing the word. And there are not winsome ways of sharing the well, word. Well, you could do the fire and brimstone without being rude about it, too. Exactly right. So, 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 so sometimes this verse gets gets uh, hidden behind by yes. by people who who just are not winsome with how they are sharing and can be rude yes. with with how they're sharing. But that's not it, right? The point here is just to say that that when the gospel is proclaimed with all of the entailments therein and all of the danger of there is legitimate danger of judgment because we are rebels against a holy God deserving of death. And that there there's, there's good news of Christ's coming into the world and taking our sin upon himself, our punishment that we deserved. And we now get his righteousness credited to us and that that's good news. And he's risen from the dead and vindicated by God. And that evidence, that resurrection is that evidence of that. That's beautiful news that we need to proclaim. And when that goes out, it will always accomplish exactly what God intends. So, um, you know, another thing that comes to mind is this, um, there's uh, this, this notion of, um, the, the, the role of the, um, the role of the spirit in scripture. Um, I, and actually I'm just going to read. So the Westminster confession of faith is excellent, uh, on this point and it actually opens up uh, with chapter one being of holy scripture so i'll just read parts one through six here of the westminster confession it says although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness wisdom and power of god as to leave men unexcusable yet are they not sufficient to give that knowledge of god and of his will which is necessary unto salvation therefore it pleased the lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal himself and to declare that his will unto his church 
and afterwards for the better preserving and propagating of the truth and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same holy underwriting which maketh the holy scripture to be most necessary those former ways of God revealing his will unto his people now being ceased and they have in the backgrounds there Hebrews 1. Uh, under this, under the name Holy Scripture or the Word of God written, are now contained all the books of the Old Testament, and the New Testament, which are these. And they lay out the books of the Old Testament, New Testament, all of which are given by inspiration of God, the breathed out, the the theopneustos, right, the mm -hmm. the inbreathing of, of of Scripture, the God breathedness of Scripture, uh, to be the rule of faith and life. The books commonly called apocrypha, not being divine inspiration. Uh, part four, the authority of the Holy Scripture for which it ought to be believed and obeyed, dependeth not upon the testimony of any man right and this kind of comes to like it's not dependent on any any special words that we say or some yeah. smart thing we say some kind of incantation that does just the right thing uh, from us oh, it's not even um, dependent on the testimony of the church but wholly upon God who is truth itself the author thereof and therefore it is to be received because it is the word of God we may be moved and induced by the testimony of the church to an high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scripture and the heavenliness of the matter, the efficacy of the doctrine, the majesty of the style, the consent of all the parts, the scope of the whole, which is to give all glory to God, the full discovery it makes of the only way of man's salvation, the many other incomparable excellencies and the entire perfection thereof are arguments whereby it doth abundantly evidence itself to be the word of God, yet notwithstanding our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts, the whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith and life is either expressly set down in scripture or by good and necessary, necessary consequence may be deduced from scripture unto which nothing at any time is to be added, whether by new revelations of the spirit or traditions of men. Nevertheless, we acknowledge the inward illumination of the spirit of God to be necessary for the saving understanding of such things as are revealed in the word. And it goes on. So there's, that is boom that is that's a fantastic <laughs> summary so what do we have there right we have the self-authenticating nature of scripture uh which we uh we, and and all of the evidences thereof which we see in in part five and then in part six we said this this is all that is necessary for for faith and for life for faith and for practice uh, and there's no there's no more to add to it this is one of the yeah. things that we you know we touched on earlier where you know redemption and revelation go hand in hand jesus says on the cross it is finished right so likewise with scripture you're not going to have a joseph smith coming along hmm. and adding more content you're not going to have a muhammad coming along and adding more content you just won't it is finished mm -hmm. um and and that's just I, I i would encourage you if you get a chance to poke up the Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, chapter one, parts one through six, uh, I think on London scripture. London Baptist would also have something, right? Uh, yeah, London Baptist Confession as well. Yeah, we have the London Baptist Confession. Oh, I, I wonder if they have this very similar. I, oh, I, I think there is. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I'm not as familiar. So, I, you know, I, I went to Westminster. What can I say? So, I'm not as familiar with the the yeah, you're 16, a Westminster grad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the yeah, 89ers, fine. but uh, so well, anyway, that's, I, that's I highly encourage it. Highly encourage. No, it. very good stuff, and. Uh, uh, very powerful and a good summary, certainly, of what uh, the church has has believed and, and believes. Um, you had mentioned, and I wanted to highlight this point for our listeners too, 
because I know it can seem, it can seem odd or not odd, but like it almost it can seem futile in in some ways to uh, to want to proclaim God's word to to people that we think can't be changed, right? Mm-hmm. So that's always a temptation, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, someone who's particularly wicked or even let's say, uh, you know, extremists, um, Muslim extremists or whatever. Um, I've heard people say, well, there's really no point in, in, in talking to them or no point in sharing the gospel to them or sending missionaries because, well, they're all just crazy. Hmm. And that's actually not, hmm. that's not a biblical way to understand people, hmm. uh, human nature. And of course, we all, we all should, as Christians, we should recognize that God can change the hearts of even the most wicked individuals. <clears throat> but I think sometimes we get this feeling because when the word is preached, it doesn't always result in everyone becoming saved. But you you had mentioned before that there actually is always, there's always, God's will is always being, being done. Yeah. Right? And I, I want to bring up 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. Where Paul says that uh, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, and there's other places where, and later on he says um, <clears throat> that we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So, Paul is is, is, is very much pointing out that um, it always has a response. God's word always has a response, either a negative response, a hardening of the heart, uh, foolishness to people who are perishing, or it has a positive response. And, and the Holy Spirit is the one that determines that. But it, in a way, it's true. It never returns void. It always has a response. Hmm. It has its intended, intended effect all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's God's intention, not ours, right? Of course, we want everyone to be saved and to hear it and to, and to receive it. But that might not be God's will at that moment or maybe in that person's life at all. Uh, so regardless, our job is to be faithful and to obey and to trust God and through his spirit to do as he pleases and to build his kingdom. Again, we don't get to wield God, he wields us. So yeah. so it, it's not right for us to to write someone off and say they don't they shouldn't receive the gospel mm. because they're too far gone. Which is odd coming from Christians because uh God's word no one is too far gone. Yeah. Because what is the prerequisite for hearing God's word? You have to be dead. Mm. Right? So if you're dead, if you're spiritually dead, you qualify to hear <laughs> God's word, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and and for us who are spiritually alive, we need that word too. No, that's we, right. we go play around with you know all week. We go to work and we're, we hang with dead people all day. We got to get the hose of the word coming into that's right. uh, coming to church on Sundays. Kind of hose us down. Well, it's by the word that He sustains the world. <laughs> he sustains too. the word exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's so yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> and it's interesting is that. Uh, you know, we don't. I want to go. I don't want to go too far with this. This is a whole other topic for another time. But when we, when we seek to deny people the word, it's almost as if it's a declaration of war 
against them because scripture always scripture seems to point out consistently that the absence of God's word is a form of judgment. Mm -hmm. So yeah. <clears throat> I want to read uh, Amos chapter 8 verse 11 through 13. And here's a, a prophecy. Uh, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. Mm. So that's just one passage. And there's some in Isaiah that talk about God bringing a sword. It might be Isaiah 65, 12, where God brings a sword to Israel because they refuse to listen to his word. So there's a sense in which the silent treatment is a form of judgment and God removing his word from a people is a sign of judgment in a declaration of war. Uh, it's very much uh, one analogy, human analogy would be when a nation recalls its ambassador. You know, when we when we bring back the ambassadors, that's that's basically a declaration of war in a way. I mean, it's saying that you and I have no more to discuss, and now it's going to come to, it's going to come to blows. It's going to come to a fight, right? Yeah. So, um, and it's amazing too, yeah. just to compliment that, like when the word is, when there's famine from God's word, mm -hmm. uh, um, and and that word is rediscovered. We actually have an example of that in two Chronicles when with Hezekiah, right? Because like with Hezekiah, mm -hmm. the word had been lost and rediscovered. And Hezekiah's rediscovery of the word, uh, he, he goes, he cleanses the temple, right? He restores worship. He, he gets, like, when Hezekiah rediscovers the words, oh my gosh, how far we have fallen away from God. I didn't even know it. So then there's yeah. this massive revival all rooted in rediscovery of God's word. And yeah. that, that tends to be like through history, right? When, when there's revival, it's going to be through, at some measure, a rediscovery of God's word and the power of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. a good point you bring up there. Mm -hmm. And that's a blessing. And yeah. so um, as as the church, the church's job is to proclaim the word. So, you know, we are a blessing to the world around us because mm. we we bring with us the good news. Mm. Uh, but the absence of that is a form of of judgment. So um, and we need to we need to leave that in God's hands. So we as individual Christians, we should not uh deny or or avoid preaching the word to people that we think don't deserve it mm. i mean no one really deserves it so but that's in god's hand he will decide so our job is just to preach the word and not to uh not to play god and try to, to, to deny someone yeah uh, the gospel in that regard so um thoughts on that or or I mean, that's just God's gracious condescension. Yeah. Right? God lovingly, graciously. He did not have to, he didn't have to create to begin oh, with. That's true. Right? But then once he creates, he didn't have to, uh, he, he creates, then we rebel. He, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have to, he didn't have to talk to us. Even after he created, he didn't have to talk to us. He didn't have to do, he didn't have to do any of this. And yet we fall and he didn't have to save us. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to, he didn't have to give us his word. He didn't have to send his son. He didn't have to. He didn't have to give us scripture. All of these things are acts of God's grace, <laughs> yeah. start to finish. Yeah. Um, it's it's just so remarkable how, and and you just think of like um, how you know all that scripture is, like how unified scripture is, how harmonious it is, how 
all these authors writing at different times and different places, different languages, different cultures, and what God, God so sovereignly orchestrates things through these human writers that produces from them this, this unified whole story of redemptive history that finds as its center and culmination, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Like yeah. who does that? Like <laughs> God does that, right? That's true. That's, that's, true. that's remarkable. So on a, on a, on a practical application, so thinking through all these things, uh, you know, for our listeners, you might be wondering, okay, so now, so now what, um, how might a person, uh, get stronger or, or become more familiar with God's word? Like what should Christians be doing, you know, to take it, to, to use this or to appreciate what uh, God has done uh, with the word, you know? Yeah. So I, I think there's a number of, I mean, <clears throat> so on the, the, there's a couple of different things there. One, um, we go back to scripture again and again and again as a source of understanding, right? Um, so, and, and I guess what I mean by that is, you know, if there's some kind of teaching that comes along, um, you know, I, I heard the story of a pastor one time who, uh, his, his dad lived in a, in a, he, he was a Christian, his dad was a Christian. His dad lived in an, uh, in a time when there were just all kinds of just really funky teachings going around and about. And, uh, anytime his dad would, he reported, uh, hear one of these teachings, he basically, I mean, he would, he would think about it, he'd, he'd, but then he'd turn to scripture and be like, well, but then how does that square with this passage? Mm -hmm. Right. So like, okay, you're not going to be able to do that unless you know the word. <laughs> right. So, um, there's the, I, I, I don't have the verse uh, off top right now, but there's, there's this place where Paul gives this analogy of, of like, you're like, uh, leaves, uh, swaying in the wind, blown about by every tossed, wind of doctrine, tossed, to, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, right? Don't be a leaf, right? Don't be that person. You, you want to have strong roots that go deep into God's word. Um, Spurgeon complimented one person one time by saying, you know, I, I, I trust so-and-so because, you know, if I were to cut him, he would bleed Bible. Right? <laughs> and, and there's, there's something to be said for that, right? Like this, this, okay. God's word is your food, Christian, right? No food, no life. It's very practical. It's mm. very practical because the word is what sustains the spiritual life that we are going to be, that as, as Christians, right, as, as, um, as, as participants in Christ, as being united with Christ by grace through faith, we are on this, we're walking together, uh, and, and in a local church context, we're, we're walking together into eternity, right? So this life that we're on, this trajectory that we're on, what's our sustenance for that journey? It's God's word, right? So he had the manna come down from heaven, and then people say to Jesus, oh, you know, give us some more of this manna. He's like, by bread alone, man does not live, but by every mm -hmm. word that comes from mm -hmm. the mouth of God. So it's incredibly practical in that sense. Know the Bible, spend time in the Bible. If that's, it, it's, you know, historically that's looked like devotional time. Um, and that's good, mm -hmm. and, and, but it, it doesn't just have to be that. It can be, it, you, don't, you don't necessarily need a reason to go into the Bible. It doesn't have to be on a Sunday. You're just like, have you ever thought to yourself when you've, I don't know, maybe you get home a little bit early on a weeknight or, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're taking a sick day from work or maybe it's a Saturday afternoon. Have you ever just thought, you know what? I want to read my Bible. Hmm. Why not? If mm -hmm. not, why not? You know what I mean? Like 
that's so anyway on the practical side get into the word and also on the practical side having done that will help you be equipped to not be tossed to and fro by different winds of of doctrine mm. Mm, that's powerful yeah absolutely um and so that that i think is a good place to uh to 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 end this particular section of our discussion i mean there's much more that could be said um you know time always slips us by and we do have a proverb of the day no boy that i have for you proverb of the day but um so if you're ready we will move right into proverb of the day let's do it okay and it's related to the topic at hand okay. if you can probably guess this one <laughs> it's proverbs 13 13 whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. Hmm. So Proverbs Proverbs thirteen thirteen. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. So here we have a contrast, right? We have a contrast between the one who despises the word and the one who reveres the command. Just kind of this parallel: despising the word, uh, revering the command. So um, let's start on the first side of things. By despising the... Okay, so God is the giver of life. Yeah. He's the creator. He's the sustainer of life. And his word, we just said a minute ago, is our spiritual nourishment. It's our food. No food, no life. Right? Pretty simple. Now, by dis who among us, by despising food, lives? <laughs> Right. We don't. We, we become we become malnourished and, and, and we become dried up and, and shriveled. We don't have the nourishment that's coming in to revitalize. Yeah. Right. So by despising the word, we bring destruction on ourselves. So so there are there are periods where. And, and to be honest, I, I've experienced this. You know what I mean? Like there are Christians who and, and I've been there. Who, who will say, you know, I'm, I'm going through a spiritual dry spell, right? Um, now, there are different ways of going through a spiritual dry spell. One way of going through a spiritual dry spell that's not helpful, that exacerbates the effects mm -hmm. of the dryness of that dry spell is by withdrawing from God's word, mm -hmm. right? And not partaking of devotions, not partaking of the word, not getting fed on Sundays at the, the weekly preaching and teaching. Um, that's not helpful, right? It's exacerbating the effects. Mm -hmm. Um, there's another way of going through kind of a spiritual dry spell that stays in the word and will be watered in season. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, you might be spending devotional time. Look, not every devotional morning, not every Bible reading is going to be this mountaintop experience. Yeah, it's true. You know, it, there are going to be some mornings where you, or, or evenings or afternoons. I keep saying mornings, but it doesn't have to be. You know, morning and evening time, right? Um, Any time uh, where you read the word and you might not feel this, this magnificent, cathartic, power that just yeah. showers on you and just your eyes are open to some truth that's beautiful and magnificent and like you just might not have that experience every time and and that's okay and 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 you might not have you might not have that experience for 
periods of time. There might be a season that goes by where you just don't feel anything like that. Stay in the word, right? Because by staying planted, rain will come in season. The Lord will bless that. And he will show you magnificent things through his word when we stay there. Despising the word Mm -hmm. brings that destruction. So now he who reveres the commandment, he who reveres the word, that's what I'm saying, will be rewarded. Even if you're in this dry spell, you will be rewarded. You will be... the Holy Spirit will use his word to work in your life and in your mm-hmm. heart and on you. So that's a tremendous reward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to your point, you were saying earlier where Jesus says, you know, if you love me, do what I say, right? If, if, you, if you love Jesus, we want to revere the word. We, we can't despise the word and love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Can't do it, right? We can revere his commandment because that is showing that we love the Lord, right? And even to the extent that we revere the commandment, it's the Holy Spirit working in us and through us to have that reverence. Mm-hmm. Because apart from him, we would have nothing. Apart from God's work in our hearts, uh, we would we would not be able to see him for who he mm. truly is. We wouldn't, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Yeah. We're given ears to hear. We're given eyes to see. Um, and all of that happening and have finding its locus in and through scripture. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. And for those of you, you know, who are listening, you know, we want to ask the question, how, how do you perceive God's word when you hear it, when you, when you read it, uh, when you are exposed to it, is your heart, is your heart stirred? Or do you, do you, are you, are you angry at it? Do you hate it? I mean, that's, Really, there's two responses, right? You either draw near, or you draw far. You you either you either step close or step back. And so, um, our prayer for you is that uh, if you if you are someone who who does not yet step close to God's word, that you would consider uh, uh, doing so. That you would consider uh, choosing life instead of choosing death. Mm. And for those of you who have already made that decision, that you would continue to draw near to God. Uh, no matter how bad or how difficult things are, because that's where life is, mm-hmm. right? These are that's where the words, you know. Even when Jesus said, um, "I believe it was in John's Gospel," when the crowd start start leaving him, and he asked his disciples, "Are are you going to leave me too?" Mm-hmm. And and I think Peter's the one that says, "No, you have the words of life. Where else can we go? Where else can we go?" Yeah. Right? I mean, in that moment, that's exactly what we should be saying you know where else could we go so this is a uh, a very important topic and and we pray that it has been a blessing to you um you know this kind of wraps up our our season one of two guys in the bible um and when we launch in about a month or so season two um we pray that you'll be joining us again for that if you have any questions for us to tackle in the meantime, please email us at uh, the number two guys in a Bible dot podcast at gmail dot com or uh, look us up on Facebook. You can also go to our website, which is www dot two guys in the Bible dot org, and there you can uh, submit questions, comments, feedback, and of course, if you wish to join and support us, uh, we we would we would love your support. It helps keeps keep the lights on uh, and uh, keeps things running, and uh, we are a listener supported podcast. And we thank 
We thank everyone who has chosen to support us. It's truly been a blessing to us, and we pray that we can keep being a blessing to you. And so with that, we pray you have a good uh, summer break, and we will see you all next time. God bless you all, and God bless.